0: today on Ag News Daily. You know, I credit a lot of of my success, you might say, to that judging experience at Iowa State. July 28th,
1: not the last episode of July, but getting pretty close. A nice warm day here in the state of Iowa. Tanner and Jennifer here bringing you this Friday episode. Are you excited for Friday, Jennifer?
2: Absolutely.
1: I'm excited for Friday. Are you? I am. I uh, get the pleasure of playing in a golf outing this afternoon, which it'll be nice and steamy for that. Uh, However, it's going to be nice and steamy for a lot of the country. We're talking South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, Iowa, Missouri, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio is under a heat advisory. And that continues to push east. We're seeing heat indexes in Des Moines, of nearly 110 degrees fahrenheit so it's going to be a warm one kansas up to 112 people that are outside are expected to drink plenty of fluids according to the occupational safe and healthy administration their recommendation so uh, certainly want to make sure anybody outside takes good care of themselves including myself right jennifer
2: Absolutely. That is completely true. I know I was sitting outside in the heat of South Carolina the other day and we were definitely seeing some people get overheated to say the least. So hopefully everyone can prevent that these coming days.
1: That's absolutely right. And I can't believe it, but yesterday I missed the ethanol production report. So I'll squeak that in here right away in the beginning for our listeners. Ethanol production for the week ending July 21st was the highest level in nearly two years. Production of biofuel rose to 1.094 million barrels last week, up from 1.07. That number was the highest since October 21 and uh, is great for the production. Midwest by far was the highest producing region with over a million barrels per day the previous week. Ethanol inventories, meanwhile, also increased, which is to be expected with high production, to 23.228 million barrels. That's up from 23.166, so certainly getting that stockpile built up.
2: Absolutely, and going back towards the heat of things a little bit for my first report of the day. Yesterday, U.S. President Joe Biden took steps to protect workers from extreme heat and met with the mayors of Phoenix and San Antonio. And and as an intensifying heat wave, half of the Americans are under heat watches and warnings. With this July becoming the hottest on record globally, temperatures and heat index values across the United States soared above 100 degrees Fahrenheit and will stay there until at least this weekend. The growing frequency and intensity of severe weather is symptomatic of global human-driven climate change, that is, fueling extremes, experts say in the field, with heat waves in much of the world expected to persist throughout August. Biden instructed the Department of Labor to ramp up enforcement on the -the on-the-job heat hazards, for example, by increasing inspections at construction and agriculture sites, to issue hazard alerts to inform employers of their responsibilities and employees of their rights during extreme heat. Some 436 workers have died from environmental heat exposure since 2011, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, with farm workers, farmers, firefighters, and construction workers among the most affected. Overall, about 600 Americans die from extreme heat each year, according to the US Centers for Disease and Control. So hopefully everyone can make sure to take the right precautions to just stay cool.
1: Yeah, no kidding. We know that the Fed is not cooling off interest rates. In June, the Fed's preferred measure of underlying inflation fell to 4.1 year over year, slightly below economists' predictions. And currently, they continue to watch that report. Uh, Fed did raise their rates 25 basis point, And now traders are assuming a 20% probability that we'll see another 25 basis point hike in September and a 29% probability of a hike in November so that is the difference to where original discussions is possible for those rate hikes to have ended during this uh, rate hike and see nothing for the rest of the year where we see now there is odds falling on two more hikes as we take a look at things there we know that some of the key highlights from the price uh, personal consumption expenditure report that was put out by the Bureau of Economic Analysis the index came at 3% year over year falling from 3.8 the last month the monthly basis of inflation surged just 0.2% higher however that's not the right direction for in which the inflation rate is supposed to be headed food prices increased 4.6% year over year and energy prices fell nearly 20% so the fed will continue Keep an eye on where they are looking at the PCE price index, the measure of inflation without food and energy dropped from 4.6 to 4.1 in June. We'll continue to keep an eye on that because the next core inflation report will come out uh, as they look to consider additional rate hikes. We did see a quarter percent go up yesterday, Jennifer.
2: Jumping into my next article of this morning, the Inflation Reduction Act has opened a three-year window for farmers to be compensated for their agronomic practices in a new way. The Section 45Z tax credit provides biofuel producers with an incentive to produce low-emission fuels. This is setting up a new business model as farmers sell grain with the grain's carbon data associated directly to its value. This is unlike carbon offset programs, which compensate farmers as for carbon as an asset itself. Grain will be assessed with a carbon intensity score determined by the Department of Energy's set parameters. Currently, the standard CI score for corn is 29.1. The Inflation Reduction Act sets a weighted average below 25. Never estimates the potential at cents per CI point below 29.1. Corn with a CI score of zero is worth an extra $1.57 per bushel in value in tax credits. To get farmers a CI score lower, they must provide at least seven data points, including yield, fuel usage, fertilizer, herbicide and insecticide usage, tillage, whether they use cover, cover crops, and whether they use manure. While the current parameters don't ask for a planting date or planted populations, it says that farmers should have it on hand anyway, Tanner.
1: Interesting. We have some not great news coming out of the Oceanic Administration. So we now are looking at the surface ocean temperatures in southern Florida, or the temperature of your hot tub. The Everglades National Park reached a high of 101.19 degrees water temperature buoy located in Evergates National Park. Hit that level late Monday afternoon, the U.S. governmental data stated. The buoys nearby, also around 100 degrees Fahrenheit. This is not great for those that want to jump into the ocean to cool off, but what we tie this back to is agriculture. Too many times in July and August, with high ocean temps, hurricanes are produced and large storms. Memories of crops standing in water, storm flattened stocks, machines stuck in the mud, and ruts usually happen when the gulf is set up for monsoon harvest season. So when we look at the extra warm water, the pool that we are pulling from, meteorologists are stating that uh, it may be difficult to get the crop out of the field this fall. We also have seen that Verdesian have announced Claire Doyle as its new chief executive officer. They stated that Fred Lynch, who served as interim for the last five months since Kenny Avery's departure, Lynch will become Verdesian's board chairman. Over the last four months, they put the search together and are excited about the announcement of Claire, that she has possessed business and technical skills, strategic vision, leadership, talent, and what is necessary to guide Verdesian to the next levels. Congratulations to her.
2: And looking at my last article of the day, Tanner, coming from AgWeb, it states that this is a farm bill surprise push as Politico reports that House Agriculture Committee member, Greg Kazer of Texas, is introducing two new bills co-led with Senate Agriculture member, Peter Welch, targeting large agricultural corporations that have significant influence on the farm bill reauthorization. The Agricultural Worker Justice Act seeks to use the federal government's purchasing power to enforce fair wages and secure working conditions, aiming to prevent what they say are big corporations from exploiting American workers. The issue has been on the agenda for several months, with USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack having previously addressed Congress about the over-consolidation in the meatpacking industry, citing it as a reason the federal government couldn't sever ties with the food supplier found guilty of bribery in Brazil. Further issues, such as illegal child labor across the food industry, have reinforced the demand for improved sourcing requirements. Kayser argued that large food companies, especially those few meat packers receiving significant taxpayer funds, should be obligated to source their food domestically and treat their employees with respect.
1: Yeah, we are about ready to jump into markets to wrap up today's Friday episode, but the Wheat Council's Spring Wheat and Durham Tour was uh, concluded yesterday. It ended in Fargo, North Dakota after three days of scouting fields across the state. The total weighted average yield for spring wheat is estimated at 47.4 bushels per acre, while Durham finished at 43.9. Last year, yield estimates were 49.1 for the wheat and 39 for Durham, so pretty Comparable on those fronts, but as we look at the wheat market today at open, the September contracts down 16 cents. December contracts down 17. December will open at 718 and a half. Corn also, we're seeing red across the board in the grains. Corn's December contract will be down 11 and a half at the open to open at 53060. The November beans contract down 11 and a half. They will open at 1386 and a quarter. So it looks like uh, trading mostly on the news of cooler temperatures across the Corn Belt as they look forward to uh, also the Ukrainians receiving Black Sea military support. In the meats, lean hogs, August contract, basically even for the open at 102.02. October for lean hogs at 83 and a quarter. Live cattle down slightly at the overnight. It looks like at close, the October contract was 179 and a half feeder cattle in the green. The only thing really seeing a bump in the overnights, the September contract will open at 248 and a quarter. So that's what we have for markets today. Jennifer, who do we get to talk to for today's conversation?
2: Yeah, today we are talking to John Jansen of Jansen Angus Cattle in Earlham, Iowa.
3: Today, listeners, we are sitting in South Carolina for our interview of the day. And I am with John Jansen of Earlham, Iowa, who is the producer operator of Jansen Angus. John, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your business and operation?
0: Yeah, thank you ha- for having me. Um, we're a small family operation. We run about 150 mother cows. They're all Angus cows, and uh, we have two production sales a year. We sell females. Uh, this year be the 19th of, of November, and uh, but but we're our main business is our bull market. We. We try to supply as good a high-performance Angus bulls as we can supply uh, using ET and artificial insemination and, and developing the bulls on a high roughage diet. And our bull sale is always the third Saturday in February.
3: Third Saturday in February. So any listeners will have to make sure to check that out when the time rolls around for this upcoming year. But let's get into kind of the background of your business. How did you get into it and why did you decide to go this way?
0: Well, I was born in Northwest Iowa in a tiny little town called Palmer, Iowa. We were best known for playing basketball. We won 103 games in a row um, in in the 80s and won three straight state championships. And, and we were known for playing basketball, and we were just a bunch of farm kids. And anyway, we had a couple Division One players on our team. One went to Iowa, one went to Iowa State, and uh, just a real successful type of a situation for basketball and that kind of spurred on my competitive drive to to try to do the best I could in whatever I did whether it was agriculture or sports or whatever and we uh, I grew up in a in a Simmental operation and and um, we raised Simmental cattle and had bull sales and And female sales and um, did extremely well and I went off to school went to Iowa State University and got my bachelor's in animal science and while I was there I was the national champion livestock judging team in 1993 sadly that's the last time Iowa State won the national championship was 1993 but but uh, we we were awful good and um, and we were from diverse backgrounds there was some hog kids on the team and cattle and sheep and whatnot and so We kind of dominated the landscape all the way across the board when i graduated from iowa state uh, i went to work for a small feed company called golden sun feeds and moved to nebraska uh, lived there for about three years and and sold feed and and eventually went to work for a ai company called gen x cooperative it's a uh, farmer owned uh, ai company and i was in charge of buying the bulls and Putting together all the advertising, promotion materials, so on and so forth, and while I was doing that, I was slowly building my Angus operation. And we, uh, we, we decided after about sixteen or seventeen years travel in the country for Gen X, we decided we had enough cows that we just, we just do that for a living, and and uh, I have enjoyed it ever since. And we built a sale facility there in Earlham, Iowa, and. Um, and we you know we try to raise cattle that are practical for the commercial man um yeah we sell some females um, uh, from some prominent cow families that are uh good in terms of their genomic epds but uh phenotype and performance is what we really stress in our operation along with feet udders and maternal ability and our bull customers come to us not for calving ease bulls not for carcass bulls they come to us for high performance, bigger outlined, thick made, heavy muscled Angus bulls that add pay weight. Last I checked, we still run them over the scale. And the heavier they are, the more money they bring to our commercial customers. And, and uh, they appreciate that. And they come back every year. They're very loyal. And uh, we're spreading out uh, all across the country, but mainly our bull market is Missouri. Iowa and Nebraska and the Dakotas and some in Minnesota, but uh, we do sell some bulls um, uh, in California, for instance, in Utah and, and Virginia and some places like that. But but our focus is, is is raising cattle that will fit the commercial market and add pounds and uh, good maternal value with good udders and good feet.
3: It sounds like you have a bit of experience all over in the ag industry, ranging from your youth, into your collegiate career, and then post-grad to now, do you think that all of this wide range of experience helped make you as successful as you are within your business now and help build that knowledge to truly be able to run and operate your Angus business as well as you do?
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I credit a lot of, of my a success you might say to that judging experience at iowa state And that you know when when you're livestock judging at a division one uh, collegiate team you live eat sleep and breathe uh, livestock judging for a whole year and you know that that drove my competitive edge but it also gave me the ability to meet a lot of people from a lot of parts of the country not only people my own age but folks that uh, I admired looked up to as mentors and got to know in the business when I when I graduated from college even better because of being able to meet them through the livestock judging uh, program at Iowa
3: State 100% I can definitely believe that and then just to kind of wrap things up, is there anything else that you think that would be important for listeners to know about, whether it be your history, from what you stated, or your business, because you shared a lot of great information about production and operation that I'm sure listeners would be fascinated about learning more on?
0: Well, I'd I just say this, that farming and, and ranching, and I'm not a farmer, but I, I raise cattle, and, you know, it, it's a labor of love. You know, we, we don't get rich doing it, but we make a, an honest living and we get to uh, meet and and know and associate with the finest people in the world and that's uh, people in production agriculture and um, anytime you can build a business the way the way we have from the ground up and and you know set roots in a community and get to know people from across the country you know it only betters your your scope of knowledge and uh, drives your competitive spirit
3: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, John. We really appreciate it.
0: Thank you very much. Well,
1: there you go. Listeners, we'll be back on Monday for the last day of July. Try to stay cool. Enjoy your weekend. And we'll talk to you next week. For today, what do you say? Should you let them go?
2: Let's let them go.